0: Welcome to the Plus 6 Podcast. My name is Pete, and i go by the name of AFR Ratings Pete on Twitter. Joining me on episode 32 as co-host is a man you know on Twitter as Jeb DT. Welcome to the show, Jeb.
1: Hey, God. hey, Pete. How's everyone? You all well over there?
0: Yeah, all good, all good. Uh, three weeks to go until June 11, and footy is ready to rock. Get around it. Thank the Lord. Jeez. It's, uh, yeah, I think
1: everyone's uh, pretty excited to have footy back.
0: Jeb? had a special delivery on monday morning we got the plus six podcast caps in and i'm just about to send a few out uh they look pretty decent
1: yeah no they do and i hopefully i get one in the mail too mate
0: special delivery express post for you jeff Uh, if if you would like a chance at scoring a plus six podcast cap just retweet any podcast link that is sent out via twitter we'll give a few more away at the midway point of the season Previously on a Plus Six podcast, episode 31, Jep and I covered off on the overall top 25 midfielder ownership and trading strategy. On episode 32, we will cover off on the overall top 25 ruck ownership and trading strategy. Going to be a couple of good conversations here, Jep. What are you looking forward to?
1: Yeah, well, look, it's uh, it'll be interesting to see the stats. Obviously, everyone in the top 25 had Grundy, given his huge score. But um, seeing the stats on the infamous R2, which we, or I, lost plenty of sleep um, prior to round one.
0: The Grundy ownership wasn't as high as what I thought, but we'll get on to that after this first player straight off the bat. Two rucks were wholly owned in a starting two of the overall top 25 Jep in round one. Sam Naismith, 76% owned by the top 25, 17.1% competition owned. Don't forget that starting R1 or R2. Jep, no surprises here. Those coaches who were brave enough to start Naismith at round one on the ground were certainly rewarded. Yeah, definitely. They got that
1: cash advance and something we both toyed with for a while. Um, whether it lasts or not is another question.
0: Uh, speak for yourself. I was never starting uh, uh, Naismith at R2. Uh, fair enough. That was certainly <laughs> you. The key for Naismith, Jeb will be his outright solo ruck role or will John Longmire go back to a two-ruck setup. We discussed this off the podcast at the end last week, and we had a pretty good discussion with Sinclair, etc. If Naismith is solo ruck, the R2 move will absolutely pay off.
1: It will. And I think most teams with the reduced time, let's just get this off the bat first. It's a one-ruck setup for most teams, let's be honest. So um, one main ruckman, so it's Naismith or Callum Sinclair at the Swans. So, you know, Naismith's got some pressure to hold his spot. You know, Callum's not going to just be an easy walkover. So I know Naismith's hit-outs to advantage are a big big perk of, of the Sydney midfield, and, and they struggled last year and the year before with their centre-bounce clearances and the like. So, yeah, I think Naismith, it's all looking good for Naismith owners who are starting at R2.
0: Jep, for me, Longmire played a small forward line in round one at the Adelaide Oval. Franklin is due back in round two. Does Longmire bring back two talls, which includes Sinclair? So, my thinking here is that Longmire was forced in round one to go small forward. So, therefore, he didn't want to have a loping ruck, especially at the Adelaide Oval in Sinclair. And, actually, from what we discussed off-podcast last week, for me, Sinclair was underdone in the preseason as what I did witness against that game against the Kangaroos down in Hobart. Your thoughts?
1: Yeah, look, coming back on the buddy thing, if you're playing a taller forward line, you're not going to play the second ruck. So whether McCartan or whoever's pinch-hitting, Lear or Lear pinch-hits in the ruck, I think that's more of a given and more of a a benefit for Naismith, really. Um, So that's that option or that that component of of the argument. Um, And then the second point is, well, running into their midfield and their setups and the, and the way they want to play. I just, I can't see Naismith being bumped. I really can't. So um, Callum may have been underdone in pre-season, but I, I'm just going off the 2019 season and their centre sent about struggles and and the like and hit outs to advantage. And I think, you know, during the off season, they really thought to go in a different direction and give Naismith a go. And, Really for owners, you know, Naismith needs a, a good solid six week block of games and, and the job's done from a fantasy point of view, isn't it? So he's in the box here at the moment. I think he's gonna hold his spot for round two and beyond pending injury and a massive drop in form. You know, that would dictate if, if he is moved. But um yeah, like I said earlier, it's looking good for Naismith owners and I will talk about some trade options later, but Naismith's still on my radar, even though I'm a non owner.
0: Yeah, for me, it's like if Longmire goes to an R2 dual ruck setup from this point onwards, it's almost rewinding back to what they were last year. And I actually thought they looked really good in round one. The other thing is the 16-minute quarters, which are likely to be kept throughout this season, that sort of goes in the direction of, you know, pretty much most teams, pretty much, just sticking with the one ruck. Your thoughts there? Yeah, agreed.
1: I, I, can't, I can't argue with that. I think that's a given. Um, the reduced times suit suit a run, run one ruck setup, and you want to play a faster um, running game. Um, and that's what we really noticed in round one, wasn't it? It was a lot more free flowing generally. Not all games, but generally, you yeah. know, most of the games are free flowing. So
0: you really need that extra runner. Jeff Brody Grundy, sixty eight percent owned by the top twenty five. Just sixty eight percent. I thought that. Would that's be nuts, good, isn't I, it? Yeah. 63.4% competition owned. Again, this is starting on the ground at R1 or R2. Grundy was owned at a decent rate, jet again, but that was less than what I thought in the top 25.
1: Yeah, very much so. From his first score of 100-odd, um, I can't remember off the top of my head, but he was, was a big captain score, 114. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that is a surprise. But obviously, the the other 32% of the top 25 spent the money elsewhere wisely.
0: Most owners in that top twenty-five who faded Brody Grundy started with a ruck combination that included Jacobs' jet.
1: Yeah, and look, obviously the the, the value picks in the ruck um, from a dollars point of view, and that makes sense. So, yeah, that the difference between um, Grundy and, and and Jacobs is, you know, just circa four hundred grand. Dare I quote Tommy Brown? Um,
0: so that was money well spent in other lines. Sam Jacobs, 32% owned by the top 25. Jep, 29.3% competition owned. I thought that was actually quite low. I thought Jacobs would come in at quite high ownership on that top 25. Anyway, if you own Jacobs in round one, you couldn't have asked for a better start. Jep, you're an owner.
1: Yep, I was pretty damn happy with him. Um, Naismith played that Saturday day from memory, and Jacobs was that Twilight Saturday game straight after, and I thought to myself... Flip. I'm going to be a grumpy boy if, if Jacobs doesn't perform. So Jacobs, the, the way GDRS play, and, and they play through him a little bit, you know, 80, I think he did just get to 80 with a bit of a push. Mm-hmm. Um, the game wasn't, you know, had, GDRS had it well in control. So it's um, it was easy for Jacobs to score, but at the same time, you know, new team, he's, he's learning, getting a feel for it but at least you could see the midfielders looking for Jacobs um, quite
0: a bit and feeding off him. Yeah, for me, the Darcy Ford uh, matchup was key. Obviously, sort of introduced a high score for Jacobs, which was a great start. Uh, You couldn't have asked for much more. I don't think there are any issues at this stage for Jacobs' owners. Jep, the key here now, Jacobs to Gorn is 286k, and Jacobs to Grundy is 386K, don't forget plenty of those top 25 owners who didn't start with Grundy are on a Jacobs combination. That Jacobs the Grundy cost is 386K currently and Grundy increased his price by 9K at round one, which if you started Jacobs over Grundy, that's something you did want to see at round one.
1: No, it's not, but I think we both agree that the the best ruck set up in the end after round one was grundy and naismith would you be in agreement with
0: that i uh, okay. don't mind grundy and jacobs at this stage uh for a combo but yeah either or either um, if you're sitting on both of those you'd be quite happy for jacobs owners i'd be more confident than what i would be with naismith owners only because there's still a lot of money to be made to get anywhere near an upgrade. Yeah, yeah. And we and the captain's option is, is the other thing. Yep, Max Gorn, 4% owned by the top 25, so there's just one coach there. Uh, 14.2% competition owned. Yeah,
1: so, you know, it was 5% above the magical 10% you were looking at. Um, and I know you started both in the end, so, yeah, look, Gorn, Gorn's going to get there, isn't
0: he? So it's um, it's 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 a set and forget scenario. There is genuine optimism for Gorn, owners, Jep, on the outside looking in on highly ranked teams.
1: Oh, for sure. And look, Gorn, his record speaks for itself. Like, there's no there's no crimes picking Gorn at all. I know he dropped 11 grand, or so, from memory. Um, and I am tracking it and. Look, to be fair, having a mid-pricer in Jacobs, one of my first upgrades is going to be Jacobs to Gorn at some point in the season. There's no secret there. It's just a matter of when and picking the timing for it.
0: The other one there is Gorn had a tough matchup in round one against the Eagles and Nat Nui, mostly Nat Nui. He and the Demons will be better off when footy returns for me, Jep. Yeah, great.
1: You know, Gorn had that interrupt pre-season and, and Nick Nat is a physical, physical opponent. So... Um, yeah, like I said earlier if, if it is Jacobs and Gorn you'd think Gorn would give Jacobs a bit of a runaround, given Gorn's leaner and more experience well, not so much more experience but a better Premier Ruckman um, I'd expect Gorn to, to push that uh, three digit
0: score Yeah, just his the ceiling there can keep him involved uh, with his current price. Jep, the most popular ruck like, combination in the top 25 after round one was Brody, Grundy and Sam Naismith they were owned by 52% of the top-ranked coaches. Your thoughts there? Yeah, I think that after round one, from the numbers
1: and, and the spend, I think that, that makes sense to me. Um,
0: having the ability
1: to, to spend the extra on other lines was, was a huge advantage. But, you know, as much as we think, Nate, well, I think Nate Smith is, is locked for round two and, and in the short term, there, are, there is an element of risk um, having Nate Smith with, with Callum Sinke breathing down his neck. Um, but um, yeah, for this, like I said, May Smith's really got to get through six weeks of uh, of the season, and and the job's done for his owners.
0: Yeah, it was a bold move starting with May Smith at round one. Uh, the key, obviously, now is if he can sustain scoring.
1: Absolutely, and I, and that's the other element of risk, isn't it? Um, he only had nine possessions in round one, so that's a pretty low turnaround um, as a ruckman, but. Yeah, he um he obviously dominated the, the hit outs and the tackles and, and that's what pumped up his score.
0: yep the Brody Grundy and Sam Jacobs ruck combination was owned at twelve percent by top twenty-five coaches. Sam Jacobs and Sam Naismith were also owned at the same rate of twelve percent. Your thoughts there?
1: Right. So that that is yeah, that's quite interesting. Um so three coaches in the top twenty five effectively. Mm-hmm. Had, went went the cheaper route with Jacobs and A-Smith. So, yeah, interesting there. Obviously,
0: Very interesting numbers. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Especially if uh, the ruck scoring can be a little bit volatile for the next few weeks. Yeah. You're going to certainly see some movement with all these numbers. Um,
1: yeah, and that's, that's really... I, I wouldn't mind being in that position totally. I think I'm nervous about not having the captain option with Grundy, but I think depending on what they did in the other lines and the, the likelihood of, of the young Rooks not getting a much of a go this year, mm. um, you know, that, that really solves that, helps, aids the problem of limiting the Rooks on field, doesn't it?
0: Yep. If Jacobs can hold on to a decent average dip then the move of paying down from Gorn to Jacobs looks like it's going to pay off. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah. Um,
1: but long term, you know, we're all striving for the primo two rucks, aren't we?
0: Yep, and just on that, only one team in the top 25, Jep, started with the Grundy and Gorn combination. Just the one team.
1: Well, there you go. That that means that team really nailed the other primo and, and mid price the spots in his other lines, didn't he, because of, of how much he spent. Again, he's... That, that, that coach isn't really that far off it either. Mm. Um, he's going to get cash gains and um generates um, salary from other lines and um you know he doesn't need to think about his ruck at all but at the same time he misses out on a pretty good cash cow in a smith and a, one of the best mid prices we'll have this year in jacobs
0: the grundy and gorn combo for me Jep, is still the optimal ruck scoring combo your thoughts there Oh, for sure. That's what you know.
1: We'll all get to in the, at the end. And um, like I said earlier, it's just when we when we make the
0: move. The most popular top twenty five ruck combinations were Jet, Grundy and Jacobs. This is their scores: one hundred ninety four points. Grundy and Naismith, one hundred ninety two points. Grundy and Gorn, one hundred and eighty seven points. Okay, now we get some pay down scenarios. Jacobs and Naismith, one hundred and fifty-eight points. Yep. Goldstein and Naismith at one hundred and fifty-five points.
1: So you've, it's a, a forty-point round number, forty-point downfall for four four hundred thousand, if not more. Mm. Um, yeah, you'd be you'd be wanting. I think we'd both both of us would take. 40 percent or 40 point reduction but still have four to five hundred grand in the bank quite easily i would
0: anyway yeah it's just the, the, the key there standing out there for me is grundy and gorn obviously i have a uh, self-interest here only both grundy and gorn 187 points obviously there's a, uh, there's a far bigger spend than what you did on the grundy and jacobs and they both scored around the same amount uh, but there's still for me plenty of upside with Gorn and his ceiling games, Jep. Yeah,
1: yeah, for sure. So it's it's timing, you know, we're we're gonna have a different conversation if if Gorn goes, you know, three figures in round two as as does Grundy. Um and then, you know, Naismith or Jacob stinks it up. So it's um it's early days, but I like I think the biggest thing I'm harping on is cash generation, and I think having Nay Smith or Jacobs is um, is of a benefit, maybe not in the short term, but, you know, down the track when, um, let's say, a Sam Draper comes on the scene in, in a month's time or, you know, mid-July, which is pretty likely, he's going to be a cheap cash cow that we can all look to um, <clears throat> cash in on or, or you know whether it's, it's downgrading or upgrading to the second primo, um, I think we're going to have some pretty good options in our rucks for cash generation this year. And no offence, mate, I um, having Gorn and Grundy there already, and I know you've got Naismith smith on your bench and that, that's your, your saviour, um, I'd, I'd want the options with cash generation given the problems
0: I have anyway in other lines. the top 25 ruck bench players. I thought I would have a look at those considering we've only got two on the starting ground. It was key to me to have a look at it to see if there was any coverage at round one. So the ownership figures went. This is R3 on the bench. Tristan Zeri, 60%, owned by the top 25. Darcy Cameron, 32%. Bailey Williams, 8% all three of those players didn't play in round one 92 percent of teams in the top 25 had zero bench cover at round one jet yeah that's going by previous seasons um i don't think
1: there's any shocks shocks there um you didn't mention my bench cover yet which is interesting yeah, no, um,
0: so no no bench cover and no cash generation in a year that is looks like it's going to be an issue for cash generation True, but I think
1: some coaches would have had that um, the the loophole captain in the in the back of their minds as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Sam Naismith was selected as a ruck bench by just one coach in the top twenty-five. Obviously, with starting ownership, this number was always going to be low.
1: Yeah, and it, traditionally, it is like the start of each season, and, and you know, I for one have, have started number one rucks for two different teams in my side. I think that's a pretty low risk scenario maybe not now that we've had quite an extended break between rounds one and two um by the time we get going again but um look there's no surprises there for me
0: um, it's about spending as little as possible on the bench again i'll go to cash generation Jep in a year that's going to be a bit of a struggle there i think sam naismith is going to be one of the highest earners and I think he was a no-brainer round one, pre-round one, and I still think he's a no-brainer now. Anyway, 16% of overall teams started Smith on the bench. He was the fifth highest earner in round one. Jeb, at 30K, added to his salary. And again, just one coach in the top 25 owns him. Therefore, the other 24 coaches may possibly miss out on what could be one of the highest earners this season. I'm strong in this, Jeb, but you seem to think otherwise. <laughs> You know, I look I'm jealous I don't have him
1: at R three, don't get me wrong.
0: I just um I look at it collectively.
1: You know, I look at it as much as um I missed out on thirty grand of Nate Smith, um, you know, I earned, there was a, you offset that against uh, Sam Jacobs and what he earned for, for round one. Um so you gotta you gotta look at it collectively. Like I said, I wish I had Nate Smith. And one of the trade options I actually am toying with is Jacobs to Naismith for this round just to generate some cash and we've got that bonus third trade. It's, I'm not saying I'm going to do it, but it, it's an option. Um, so, yeah, it's um, it's about limiting your rooks on the field uh, for me. And um, to do that, I, I spent very little on my R3 spot.
0: Mm-hmm. Fair enough. The average salary spend on starting rooks in round one by the top twenty five was one point one four million. The number one ranked team spent nine hundred and forty K JEP on Sam May-Smith and Todd Goldstein. The highest spend uh. was one point seven three million, Grundy and Gorn by the number eight ranked team. So that team, the owner with Grundy and Gorn, he's currently ranked number eight. The lowest spend was seven hundred and fifty five K. Can you believe it? That's a million <coughs> less than me. With, with Naismith and Nat Nui by the number 22-ranked team. Your thoughts there, Jip?
1: Yeah, it's a good broad range, isn't it? Um, and it doesn't mean that you, it's won or lost at the ruck spot, really. Um, there's a good range of, of players and, and options we, with, that you just announced. So um, it's obviously what players and coaches have done in other spots um, to to bolster really, with the primos in other lines instead of the rucks. So, yeah, it's it's good that we've got some variety, mate. Um, I love it when we have variety in fantasy and, and different options, and and it's proven there.
0: Again, this is only one week, so the sample size is very small. I suspect over uh, even a 17-game home-and-away season, I suspect the higher-scoring rucks are going to put quite a dif- distance between Uh, the lower scoring reps, which which is obviously quite obvious, but I just think that the higher talent is going to just separate themselves. And for me, hopefully with Gorn and Grundy, it's going to be very quickly.
1: Yeah, yeah. And you you are in the box seat, let's let's be honest. Um, But I know you've got other issues in other lines that you need to resolve too. So no doubt you, even yourself, might be toying um, with the idea of trading Gorn no. Um, prior to round two <laughs> you're coming up pretty quickly there
0: no. um, it hasn't even crossed your mind come well, on it's got to have crossed your mind well the issue is I just told you one one coach in the top 25 owns Gorn so therefore I want to find a path of least resistance so if it's one coach in the top 25 you've got to imagine in the top you know 100, 500,000 it's going to be pretty minimal so if I'm going to make my way through a pretty crowded leaderboard early in the season it's going to be uh, with a player like Max Jep.
1: Yeah, okay. You, you got a point there. I won't argue that one.
0: So the answer is no. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take a look at the number one ranked team with a ruck combo of Sam Naismith and Todd Goldstein at 940k, Jep. The bench was Tristan Jerry, the only coach in the top 25 to start with the Naismith and Goldstein combo. The key concern here, Jep, is Goldstein to Grundy currently costs two hundred and fifty-six k for an upgrade, and Naismith to Gorn costs five hundred and one k. Goldstein to Gorn even costs one hundred and fifty-six k currently. The scoring differential in the short term will be crucial here, Jep.
1: Yeah, and and that's where you know the owners of Naismith and and Jacobs really. They want that early that early gain, don't they to, to to close that gap. so um, it's it's a gap that could be um, especially with the volatile scoring that could that could be made up. What do you reckon? I, like I think I really think there are a lot of advantages with with the cheaper Naismith or Jacobs, but at the same time like I just can't get past the Grundy captain option
0: yeah for me always Grundy and always he provides a option as a loophole opportunity and hopefully that's in round two but I still think for me it was always starting with Grundy others didn't and they got the early payoff I suspect over the longer part of the season into even 17 games that those with Grundy especially are going to get the payoff anyway so let's have a look at the number one ranked team after round one And this is with a combination of Sam Naismith and Todd Goldstein and what opportunities it presented to start on the field, elite players and scoring opportunities. In defense, Jep, we had Dan Houston, Sam Doherty and Jeremy Howe. Obviously got the payoff with Howe in round one. In the second line of that defense, it was John Noble, Dylan Roberton and Jared Brander coming off the bench as an emergency. So right there that was a pretty obviously besides robert and his low score uh that was a pretty optimal back line to kick off the year
1: yep and one starting rook
0: with brandon in the end so let's
1: note that and get move on
0: into the midfield uh we've seen six mid to high price players so obviously spending down at ruck into goldstein and a smith uh the opportunity there to start with Lockie neal Jack Vaughanee as well, so obviously two of the highest scoring midfielders in round one. Sean Higgins, which is a a bit off the charts there. Taylor Adams, you know, low owned there. So obviously with no true law early, obviously we didn't know we were going to be suspended after round one. So I can see how Adams was a a peaked at round one and with low ownership there. And didn't get the payoff, obviously, you know, round two's yet to be played so Treloar comes back in but I think Adams there was a solid choice Seb Ross I didn't really like so much this season with so many players coming into the Saints midfield I just thought there was an opportunity that that scoring is going to be volatile and that's the way it played out for round one for Seb Ross but anyway that was another you know mid-pricer that was in there that, that, that could have smashed and Tom Tom Mitchell was the obvious one for most teams and then it meant that were pretty much only two starting under price players at uh, Matthew Rail and Marley and Pickett Je-
1: yeah so and then he had jack Viney also at m6 so two starting rooks in that
0: line with brander the only starting rook in defense so he's got three starting rooks on field mm. and you could get a little bit wild in this forward line from what we can see here it's a uh, locker whitfield spending up chad Winger was a solid choice Obviously, a lot of teams considered winger, but to pull the trigger on that, spending down at Goldstein and Naismith in the ruck, uh, obviously presented that opportunity. We were higher on Christian Petrarca, but we both didn't do it. Jep, uh, I think that's going to be a solid choice moving forward. Sam Powell Pepper a little bit wild there, but anyway, that's that's F4, and you can still still spending up at a mid price there, and that's what we're getting at. Is that you spend down in a couple of positions, you can actually afford yourself a couple of mid prices and Sam Powell Pepper at F4, especially when the forward line's quite volatile, Jep. Andrew Brasher there was a fail for most, but I still think he can come back with some decent scores. And the only rookie on the ground in the forward line was Curtis Taylor. Your thoughts there? Yeah, he's done
1: really well in that aspect. Um, And now those mid-prices as well, I think, looking at his team. So, yeah, I've harped on it today and and previously about limiting your starting rooks on field. And um, he's definitely done it here. And is then he, nailed, just, nailed some other picks.
0: It's just a lot of work to get to Gorn and Grundy both there, isn't it? It is, but
1: look, Goldie, Goldie, for me, is a short-term hold. It's probably well, it is a unique pick, but you could do that in one trade, and he he might even do it this round. You know, Goldie up to with the third tr- the extra trade this round two. You never know what he's thinking. Um, I think that's. He's probably thought about it, but you're right. It is a You've got to play the patience game, don't you, to get up to those primos.
0: Yeah, and, and there's a, obviously with three trades heading into round two at least, uh, there are a couple of options there that can be moved down from players into putting some cash in the bank to spend up somewhere else. So there's an opportunity to play uh, play around with this team and to get an even better score in round two. Your final thoughts on this team, Jep?
1: Yeah, I agree with that last comment. I reckon he's he's he can have a couple of tr- movements and and changes here. Robinson's probably one. Um, interesting what we'll do with Brayshaw, Higgins. I'm not sure around that, pick, But you know,
0: um, there's Pel- definitely Powell Pepper, the one I'll be looking at to move, do something. Sort of yeah. probably down to like a um, Buili, or maybe even a Yes, yeah. and then that can pop some cash in the bank, and then you can start to move up to. You know, you can you can pretty much get close to Goldstein with one, one other one other move there. Uh, obviously, Hayden Young. Most people looking at Hayden Young and what happens there with Robert and Down. Um, Toby Watson, I don't mind on the bench. There's an option there. They come in at some stage. Some cash generation yeah, there. Sure. You know, MacInnery, Butterick. You got Green there. that can generate some cash. Guevara and King in the forward line. Not much there. So I don't think there's much cash generation. At an elite level, But again, I think cash generation is going to be across the board quite difficult this year. So there's an opportunity there to move some players around. And you know what? You can move um, Sean Higgins down to, to, you know, even Andrew McGraw like I started with in, in round one. And then you, you can pop in, a, you know, an upgrade somewhere else. So there's definitely opportunity here for the number one ranked team, Jip.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, I think he's got... He's, he'd be pretty... Pretty chum, and he'd be pretty chum for a long time given the extended break, so lots of time to think about it.
0: Just, just on that, it's like you've got three trades into round two, so that's just a massive opportunity. It's nothing, you know, obviously we, when we headed into round one, we didn't what I thought was going to happen you know, obviously with the issues with COVID-19, I thought we were going to get Get a condensed, you know, first four or five weeks of the season, and therefore that's the way I was looking at it. And it's not until we played round one and we got to the Sunday in round one, and all of a sudden, hang on, we're stopping for like eight, eight to twelve weeks, and then that, that was an issue. But then to get the opportunity to have three trades into round two, nobody thought of that really heading into round one.
1: No, and that's where it's really going to suit a unique time team like the guy ranked one. Mm-hmm. Um, he can really make two big-ish moves or two notable
0: moves yep. um, with very little um, sacrifice. So, yeah, he's laughing. Do you know what I would sort of think of doing here? It'd be a little bit crazy, obviously, after his big score in round one, but most people are going to head to Jack Viney at round two. So if you really want to make yourself unique oh. is, is to make that move and go down I oh, know there's obviously some cash still to be made on Varney. but even if it's like not even next week, it's you know it's at round three. Make that, make that move. You know, make that 70, 80 k, whatever it's going to be, off Varney and then get the hell out of there, and then go and put the money on something else. So that, that's the top. If I was sitting at number one with this team right here, that's the type of move I would make to make, you know, to get off that ownership. But obviously, you know, you know people have candle thoughts of that as well.
1: Yeah, that's a pretty big move. And I, look, personally, I would have fixed the Dylan Robertson issue um, prior as well as the, um, you know, we don't know what's going on with Brayshaw or Power Pepper you mentioned before. so. But I get I get the theory in the madness. That's mm-hmm. in your madness anyway. But, um, yeah, here's me looking to, to actually pick up mining.
0: <laughs> So We're poles apart, mate. Yeah, for sure. We, we're thinking differently. Yeah, for sure. Jep, you spent 1.42 million at round one on Grundy and Jacobs. They combined for 194 points. I spent 1.73 million on Grundy and Grawn. They combined for 187 points. So I spent an extra 300k of you, Jep, and yeah, you scored me by seven points. That's the way it goes sometimes. It does. Um, but at the same time, you pick me
1: in other lines, mate. So um, you can't win them all. And um, it's like we said, it's only one round of data, isn't it? So.
0: Lots yeah. to happen yet. Yeah. yeah, for me, I'm just hoping that when that fixture comes out for round two, that Gorn has got a juicy matchup because I, <laughs> yeah. I need that to pay off very quickly. Otherwise, people are going to be able to upgrade. So, Jeb, I hope that's a short term variance uh, with my low score there just under yours and separation quickly evolves with Gorn over Jacobs. It's definitely a key to my season. Your thoughts there?
1: Yeah, we conversely I'm looking to you know, sort of pre planning around four or five move from Jacobs up to Gaunt. So right. it's it's yeah, we're in we're in a different set of we're in a different boat really. Um
0: If Jacobs can hold in there that that's I I think you have won that battle with regards to you know who you yeah. decided um, before round one, because I was strong on Gorn. Pretty much the low ownership so I'll be on yeah. Gorn. I had I, I was going pretty much Rolly O'Brien if that wasn't the case, which ended up being a little bit of a fail in round one. But I might've actually even gone down to Jacobs as well. But uh, for me, I need Jacobs just to score a little bit lower and I need Gorn to have a couple of juicy matchups so he can hit his high, high ceiling games in rounds two, three, and four. Jeb, our common starting ruck was Brody Grundy at round one. Unless injury strikes, there's no moving away from the consistent high scoring.
1: Absolutely not, mate. Um that's one thing I did right and
0: I made him captain, so Jesus, thank God I did something right, eh? Chip yep, your unique ruck players to me are Jacobs and Draper. Just on Draper, the latest update today, he's a month away from contact training. So there's potential there for some back-ended games in this season at least. Uh, your thoughts going forward with Jacobs at this point? I know you said you might want to upgrade into Gorn, but what are your clear thoughts on Jacobs as we speak right now?
1: Yeah, it's it's just hoping Jacobs really maximises his scores on field and, and maximises his earnings because if Jacobs has another, you know, semi-poor performance in round two, you know, he's he's going to drop further and I think um, with with that um, that loss of money from from end, I'd I'd look to make the up go pretty damn quickly. Um, I think I feel like. As a ruck spot, you, you know, if Jacobs punches out of for, 35s, for example, then then the whole theory goes out, out the window. So um, it's pretty, probably a high risk um, having a mid-price ruck at some point. So I'll be, look, it would be one of my first upgrades for sure, especially with Gorn doing so poorly.
0: Jeff, my unique two rucks to you are Gorn and Naismith on the bench. I will look to cash in my money on Naismith at some stage, hopefully the quicker, so I will pretty much make a quick move there. And for me, the interim bench cover is quite excellent. Obviously, if there were any late withdrawals at the ruck position, either Jacobs, uh, even Naismith, you know, for me, and uh, maybe one or two others, that, that could be quite a good hit in ranking for me, especially because I've got max bench cover and obviously the two optimal rucks there.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, again, I, I, not wouldn't be too worried if I was you. Um, having the setup you do, you've got the cash generation there. You've got the set and forget, um, as well. And um, yeah, there are benefits to that, aren't there?
0: Yep. The top twenty-five ruck ownership and trading strategy article is available now on aforatings dot com dot au under fantasy. Next week, Jeb, you and I will break down the final position, which is the forward position. The ownership numbers will be interesting to look at there.
1: Yeah, very much so. I think it's probably the one of the um, one of the biggest lines where you could have gone a whole whole array of options. So, yeah, those percentages are going to be up and around the place, aren't they?
0: For sure, Jeb. That's it for episode thirty-two. Thanks for tuning in, everyone.